Welcome to Stevenson Harwood's Pensions Podcast for January 2022. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. I'm Julia Ward, a Senior Knowledge Development Lawyer in the Pensions team, and I have with me Julia Cooper, an Associate in the team. Today, the topics we are going to discuss include new obligations on trustees of defined contribution schemes, climate change guidance from the regulator, a pensions ombudsman case, delays to the new defined benefit funding code, as well as developments for collective defined contribution schemes. Finally, we will consider a recent case which looks at pension scheme documentation construction. For our first topic, we consider upcoming obligations on trustees of occupational defined contribution schemes. In July 2021, the government consulted on proposals to implement a stronger nudge to members to access appropriate pensions guidance from PensionsWise when they sought to receive or transfer benefits in a way that took advantage of the pension freedoms. The intention is to ensure members are made aware of PensionWise guidance when they seek to access defined contribution savings. Following the consultation, the government made some changes to the proposals and have now published regulations. Under these regulations, trustees must, where they receive an application or communication in relation to an application to receive or transfer any rights to take advantage of the pension freedoms, offer to book a pensions guidance appointment on behalf of the member or beneficiary. The trustees must confirm to the applicant that they can only proceed with the application if the member or beneficiary has received appropriate guidance or has opted out of receiving guidance. The regulations provide how a member or beneficiary may opt out and also sets out exemptions for certain members to whom these requirements will not apply. The trustees must repeat certain parts of the pensions nudge requirements in subsequent communications with the members until advice or an opt-out request has been received. The regulations also specify the record keeping that trustees must undertake in accordance with these new provisions and the regulator will issue its own guidance on these new requirements before they come into force. These changes will require scheme processes to be updated, which is something trustees and administrators should start considering now. The new regulations come into force on the 1st of June 2022. Thanks, Julia. The regulator has published its guidance for trustees on governance and reporting of climate-related risks and opportunities. Starting from the 1st of October 2022, the requirement for certain occupational schemes to comply with governance and disclosure requirements in line with the recommendations set out by the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures will be extended to schemes with assets of £1 billion or more. The new regulator guidance is intended to supplement the DWP statutory guidance. The guidance sets out what the regulator will consider when determining whether trustees have met the requirements of the climate regulations and taken account of the DWP statutory guidance. The guidance also sets out what trustees need to do and report on in their annual TCFD report. The guidance notes that it does not impose additional requirements on trustees, but provides examples of how to apply the regulations and the DWP guidance. The guidance covers strategy and scenario analysis, risk management, publishing a climate change report, and also discusses how the regulator will approach imposing fines for any non-compliance. Our next topic looks at a pensions ombudsman case which highlights the importance of trustees adopting the standards set out in regulator guidance promptly. In this case, Mr S was a deferred member of the Armed Forces Pension Scheme. He was cold called and persuaded to transfer his benefits to the Capita Oak Scheme which was operated by Imperial Trustee Services Limited. 
In January 2013, Mr S asked the Ministry of Defence to transfer his benefits from the Armed Forces Scheme to the Capital Scheme. The Ministry of Defence checked that the Capitalist scheme was registered with HMRC, but did little else in terms of due diligence or warning Mr S of the risks of pension liberation scams. After a delay from April to August 2013, caused by difficulty in in obtaining acceptable ID from Mr S, the Ministry of Defence gave final approval for the transfer on the 3rd of September 2013. Mr S's benefits were transferred out of the Armed Forces scheme shortly thereafter. Imperial trustee has since been forced into compulsory liquidation and Mr S believes his benefits have been lost. Mr S complained to the Ombudsman that the Ministry of Defence did not exercise sufficient due diligence when allowing him to transfer his benefits. The Ombudsman upheld the complaint on the grounds that the Ministry of Defence should not have processed the transfer as Mr S had no statutory right to transfer. The Ombudsman also considered the lack of due diligence and warnings given to Mr S by the Ministry of Defence and criticised the Ministry of Defence for failing to put additional due diligence checks regarding pension liberation scams in place earlier. The regulator issued its pension liberation scams guidance in February 2013, but the Ministry of Defence only put additional due diligence checks in place in November 2013. The Ministry of Defence claimed that it had not become aware of the new guidance until the end of October 2013. The Ombudsman did not accept that a reasonably competent pension provider could argue this and determined that it was the responsibility of the Ministry of Defence to keep up to date with pension standards and guidance. It is worth noting that the Ombudsman did not accept the Ministry of Defence's argument that there was no timescale within the regulator's announcement for guidance to be put into effect. The Ombudsman held that the guidance should have put the Ministry of Defence on notice of the standards expected when considering future transfers. As the final decision on the transfers was only taken in September, the Ministry of Defence had over six months from the announcement to ensure compliance with the new guidance. This case is a useful reminder not only of the importance of having stringent processes in place when members seek to transfer, but also of the expectation of early action in terms of complying with regulator guidance. This is also likely to apply to compliance with upcoming developments, such as the single code of practice. Our next topic considers the delays to the publication of the new defined benefit funding code. The regulator is keen for defined benefit schemes to focus on long-term funding in order to ensure pension scheme members have the best chance of receiving the benefits they expect. It therefore issued a consultation on a revised funding code for defined benefit schemes back in 2020. During this consultation, the regulator proposed a twin-track compliance approach to valuations under either a fast-track or bespoke approach to the valuation process. It was expected that the second consultation on the new code would occur in spring this year, at the same time as the DWP publishes its consultation on new funding regulations for defined benefit schemes. The intention was that the revised code and the new regulations would neatly dovetail to form the new defined benefit scheme funding regime. However, the regulator has now confirmed that the second consultation on the draft code will occur after there has been a chance for responses to the DWP consultation. The second consultation is expected in late summer 2022 and will include a draft of the code for consideration and comment. This delay will impact the new defined benefit scheme funding regime coming into force. Whilst it is possible that this will be before the end of the year, it is more likely that the new regime will now not apply until early 2023. The existing funding regime remains in place until the new code and new regulations come into force.
The DWP has published its response to regulations that will govern a new type of pension scheme in the UK known as collective money purchase schemes. These schemes provide benefits in the form of regular income for members paid out of available assets of the scheme so there cannot be a deficit. The Occupational Pension Schemes Collective Money Purchase Schemes Regulations 2022 will be made under the Pension Schemes Acts 2021. They set out the detail of how collective money purchase schemes will be regulated. These schemes will be subject to the regulator's authorisation and supervisory regime, similar to the supervision of master trusts. The DWP's consultation response proposes to set the application fee for authorisation of a new collective money purchase scheme at £77,000, compared to £23,000 for master trusts. This reflects the relative complexity of collective money purchase schemes. The regulations are expected to come into force on the 1st of August 2022. Our final topic for this snapshot is the case of Delarue Limited and others and Delarue Pension Trustees Limited and another. The court provided here some useful insight into the construction of pension scheme documents. This case concerned a single issue relating to the revaluation of deferred benefits for members of the final salary section of the scheme. The parties sought clarification from the court as to how one of the rules of the scheme should be construed. Subject to how the court determined the issue, the scheme's liabilities could have been increased by more than £20 million. A separate rule in the scheme provided for increases to pensions in payment. The claimant argued that the court should determine the question before it by stating that revaluation of deferred pensions would be on the statutory basis. The defendant argued that it should be the better of the statutory basis and increases during deferment, calculated by applying the increase rule. The court found in favour of the claimants and provided some useful principles when considering the construction of pension scheme documents. The court highlighted that significant weight is to be given to textual analysis, concentrating on the language that the drafter has chosen to use. That did not mean that literalism rules the day. A purposive construction may be appropriate, particularly where it is required to give reasonable practical effect to the scheme. The judge also felt that, if the terms of the rule had been ambiguous, it was permissible to consider consistency in the party's course of conduct, both before and after the instrument, to demonstrate that no change was intended. However, the judge felt that this principle must be treated with some caution and could only be engaged where the language was truly ambiguous. That's all for this month's podcast. Further detail can be found in our January snapshot, which is available on our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. You can listen to this podcast again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Pensions Hub. Music.